0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
1: Especially when there's so many other competitors in the market, it's so easy to be like, oh, they're doing that, like, let's do that. Or they're doing that, let's do that. And you get so, you know, caught up with that shiny object that you forget to focus. Your customer is your focus.
2: Let's take a breath. Hi guys, I'm Sydney Ludwaco, and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I share the mic with people you may recognize, experts in their fields, people I find inspirational, or people who make me laugh, like my fiancé Nick, giving them a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope that you're well. Happy February. And today we have a great guest on. Her name's Denise Lee. She is the entrepreneur of Alala, a self-funded multi-million dollar apparel brand that not only brings joy to women through sophisticated, high-quality clothing, but also seeks to advance the dialogue around body positivity, diversity, diversity she's amazing. I loved her and her line before I met her, but now after speaking with her and sitting down with her, I love her even more. I love to get to know the people behind the brand. You see the brand, you buy from the brand, you wear it, but it's so much more to get the story behind it, how they went from concept to actual creation and what that actually takes, especially if you are looking to be an entrepreneur, you're interested in that space, or you have a great idea. Denise gives really practical tips on how to do that and how she went about doing that. She used tools like mentorship and the proper way of of reaching out to people and asking questions. She had a great network because she started out working for Chris Birch, who was one of the co-creators of Tory Birch, which we all know and absolutely love. So she's been in the fashion space for a while and she had a great network from there. But I think how she utilized that network of people that she had was very smart and very detailed on how to go about that. So she gives some great tips on maybe starting out a brand or if you have an idea from getting an idea from concept to creation or just day-to-day entrepreneurial lifestyle or, or business advice, she has so much to offer. And I think you guys are really gonna love her in this episode. We talked through it all from owning your own company, from working with a team of all women, from putting yourself out there in the business. She had some fear around being the face of her brand or showing herself more in aspects like social media or events or things around this fitness brand that she had. And now she's learning to get out of her comfort zone more and own the fact that she has created this incredible brand and that she should be the face of it and that she should be putting herself out there. And even things like imposter syndrome, when you feel like you don't look like everyone else in a room full of business people entrepreneurs all those things so we talked through a lot of great things and you guys are going to really connect with her especially if you are looking to do something similar in the business world like Denise has this one has so many great little tidbits in it so enjoy this one send it to a friend or someone who is on an entrepreneurial journey or looking to start their own business already has their own business I think they'll get a lot out of this episode so send this their way tag us on social media and I think my something to share is it's February and not everyone needs this but Sometimes I remember myself a few years back before I met Nick and this time of the year always was like annoying to me. February was just like a reminder of not being in a relationship and some people are like, I'm fine, I don't mind it. And some people are like, yeah, I hate this month. I hate Valentine's Day, hate all of that stuff around it. And I remember that very well. So if you are one of those people one of the things I loved doing for myself and I still might keep doing this even though I am in a relationship was I always took myself on like a little Valentine's date. I mean, maybe you think this is lame, but it helped me show some love to myself so I would either like go get my nails done or I would take myself to the movies. Honestly, going to the movies by yourself is pretty amazing. I don't know. There's something about it. I loved it. You I would bring like my favorite candy. I would sneak up maybe a juice box of wine into the theater and just have myself a little date I would take myself to dinner to a restaurant or I would get my favorite takeout I don't know I would do something new each time but it was just like a nice little way for me to show love to myself to remind myself that I'm good I don't need to be in a relationship and that I can take care of myself but also like it just felt really good to do that form of self-care whatever that is for you even if you are in a relationship maybe you go get a massage maybe you like take a day date Maybe you buy that like dress that you were looking at or whatever it is. It was just like a nice way to take a moment for yourself. Um, Maybe it's a whole day. If you were feeling like I usually was around this time of the year, I highly recommend doing that. It's just a great way to treat yourself, take care of yourself. You know, play that Miley Cyrus song, the new one, Buy Myself Flowers. Basically, listen to that all day, you know, have yourself a little girl day, whatever it is. Sending love your way. You also don't need a holiday to do those things for yourself. But I love a good reason to show yourself some love. Enjoy this episode, guys. Denise is awesome. Also, she gave us a discount code for Alala, which is amazing. So you can use the code SHARE20 to shop their site. Everything on there I want. And they're also doing a little rebrand in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye on that. But yeah, use the code SHARE20 for 20% off the whole website. It's pretty amazing and the material and everything is incredible. So enjoy shopping. Oh yeah, you can use that for your little show love to yourself. Shop Alala. There you go. Before you go, make sure you guys rate, review, follow the podcast, share us on social media, maybe give us a five-star review. Show some love to us, you know? Without further ado, guys, here is Denise Lee of Alala.
3: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: Denise, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited about this. I'm a big fan of Alala. You were, I think, gifted to me from, I used to dance for the the Knicks, and I think you were the leggings that we were required to wear for the season. And they were my yeah. favorite leggings. They were amazing. Oh they had like a little mesh on the side. And I wore them so much that I like burnt through holes in the knees. Like it was, <laughs> I wore I wore them to the last day. But yeah, your brand is amazing. And I'm really excited to jump in and talk with you about everything.
1: Yeah, same are here. You? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. And I love that story. It makes me so happy.
2: Yeah, they were, they looked great on everyone. And I'm not just saying that they were amazing. So, thank you for what you do. Before we jump into Alala and the brand and all those good things that I have for you, let's just jump into my first two questions. So, the first one is to share an object. Anything that you think of when I say an object from your nightstand, something that's maybe surprising or something with a backstory. Anything you got?
1: So, I have a couple things for you. Um, I actually brought this guy out.
2: Who is that? He has my
1: little childhood toy. Look, he's so old; his head is like falling off. <laughs> Um, but I've had him since I was six and I feel like sometimes people are surprised that I still have like my childhood toy with me. I've moved all over the world and I kind of like, he's probably one of my most prized possessions.
3: Oh, that's sweet. I think
1: it just reminds me of, you know, like being a kid and being so happy, like just having your favorite toy and,
3: mm-hmm. and,
1: you know, when I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed with all our adult problems and, you know, entrepreneur problems. I feel like it's very comforting just like go back to something that you've had for so long and and is so simple and brings you so much joy. Yeah. Um, So I think I'll hang on to him forever, hopefully.
2: What's his name? Does he have a name?
1: His name is Doggy.
2: Doggy. (laughs) Original for six. I know.
1: My (laughs) six-year-old self was not very creative.
2: I love that. And it's a little reminder of like why you do everything that you do. It's like your little self like your younger self that you've accomplished all these things since you've become an adult and all those things but it's nice to have a reminder of like why you do things that you do or like that little girl would be so proud of you now if you think back on just that little object but that's so cute I I love that that. also I feel like it's maybe a little piece of your home too because you moved from Singapore right to New York when I did went to college which is insane in itself
1: yeah and I've been here ever since you know I haven't been in my childhood you know place for a long time
2: I can imagine that was extremely difficult are your parents still in Singapore yeah beautiful yeah I visited there once we actually went when we were on the show and it was such a fun city I didn't get to see a lot of it but it's a good time they have great food it's a good time (laughs) um second question anything that's been on your heart or mind lately it could be related to your work or really anything
1: something has been like kind of bubbling up for me I thought I would share it with you today Um, So I'm thinking about moving out of my apartment. I've lived here for 14 years. And so Mm -hmm. one of the things I was looking at the other day was I remember when I moved into my apartment 14 years ago, you know, I, I had probably a full size bed and I was so excited to get a queen size bed in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. And I've lived with this queen size bed now for 14 years. And the other day, as I was looking at it, I realized I was like, you know, this whole time. In my bedroom, I could have had a king size bed and it been even more comfortable. And I've been sleeping better for the last 14 years. But somehow in my own mind, I was happy from going just one step up from a full to a queen Mm -hmm. instead of like letting myself honestly go from like all the way up to a king. Yeah. And it was very interesting because the room size hasn't changed. Like my room has stayed the same this entire time it was kind of like a metaphor, I guess, for like life mm-hmm. that, you know, I was so excited to go from step one to step two, I never thought I could just jump to all the way to step three, even though I had the capacity for it. Yeah. And it's something that I've just been like thinking a lot about just with my own life in general, and my path as an entrepreneur. And you know, maybe it's being a female entrepreneur or minority, like I'm Asian. So I grew up in an Asian household, like, I don't know which one of those things it is, but like, you know, I do recognize in myself sometimes that you almost limit yourself in a way, right? It's like your own imagination and your own kind of sense of, oh, can I do this? Like, can I get that far? So it was a nice, like, simple reminder that sometimes, you know, we can skip a step. We can't go all the way up to the king bed, like, yeah, without needing to go all those steps. And it's just been really interesting to me as I think about, you know, making decisions also in the future, like, am I holding myself back, you know, by Mm -hmm. making a safer decision? Or should I really like go all the way?
2: I feel like I do the same thing to myself as well. And I get that sentiment of like, you can only grow as much as you think that you're able to grow, like subconsciously, whether that you realize it or not. And it's nice to have like a little physical representation, like the bed. We can all hold ourselves back in that way. Or we, we don't think that we can get to from point A to point C. So we just take the little baby steps, but sometimes mm-hmm. it takes that huge leap to get to where we're supposed to be. Or you see other people getting to those places and you're like, I probably don't have the same qualities that she has. So obviously like she could get there, but I could never get there If whatever your like story yeah. is that you're telling yourself. And I do that too. So I don't know if that's like a, Asian to Asian thing because I'm yeah. a half Asian. But um yeah, so I don't know what that is. And I like it's a good thing to take note of so then maybe you can like push the limit a little bit or stretch yourself on that next decision or whatever it is. But
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly.
2: Are you <laughs> planning to move within the city or are you moving out, you think?
1: I would love to move out of the city, kind of come back and forth. We have a remote team, so it's nice that everybody can kind of come to my apartment in the city together have a place in the city together. But, you know, I've really been craving more space. I've lived 17 years in the city, so it's been a while. And I Mm -hmm. think I really need just, like, the expansion, not just of my physical space, but also I feel like, you know, 14 years is a long time to live in one place. And so I feel like there's so many memories here that I'm excited for a new chapter Mm -hmm. in my life. And I think actually physically moving locations would be a great kind of manifestation of that. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, last year, I was working a little bit with a shaman. Oh, really? Tell me, Tell me more. That, yeah, one of the things that she had um, done for me was like, read a lot of like my human design and Love it. Kind of dug deep into, you know, who I am with the charts and everything. And I know, you know, some people might believe more and less than others. But one thing that she did say to me was that my environment was very important to me. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to set myself up in the most ideal physical environment was going to have, you know, impacts to my entire life. Yeah. So even before she said I was feeling it and after she said it, I was like, OK, like I feel like this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um And so I've been taking small steps to action on it. And finally, a year later, you know, getting ready to look for a new house and look for a new environment.
2: That's so exciting. Yeah, it can be scary when you've been in a place for so long and you've got your routine, you have your people, you have your like things that you do. But I will say from my experience of moving out of the city and needing more space and needing just a little bit more like calm in my life which I don't think I knew that at the time I just knew it was time for me to leave but I didn't know exactly like why I just thought like I wanted to try something new but I remember I moved to LA right after and I went to Trader Joe's and I just got this a car and I was like oh my god I can put the groceries in my car and I have to walk them down (laughs) the street to the subway in the rain holding an umbrella like not everything had to be so hard and I was like oh this is just so nice and you just don't realize how nice it is until you like remove yourself from it a little bit. So I'm excited for you. I think that sounds incredible.
1: It's a nice new chapter. I'm excited too. Thanks.
2: Amazing. Well, let's get into Olala and all of the things that you guys do. I know that from researching you and reading about you that you decided to start this company when you started training for triathlons, which first of all, (laughs) what made you want to do a triathlon? And then second of all, like what about training for the triathlon led you to create this beautiful company?
1: So this was almost 10 years ago that this happened. You know, I wanted to do a triathlon because at the time I was about to turn 30. um, And it was on my bucket list. I was like, somehow the triathlon ended up on my bucket list. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Okay, I just want to do it before I turn 30. So I did one in Montauk, um, which was a lot of fun. But anybody who's done a triathlon knows that you know, you have to commit to exercising five, six times a week, you're swimming, you're running, you're going on the bike. And so A lot of physical activity. Yeah. I've always been in the fashion world and, you know, the retail world and love clothes. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go buy some new gear to motivate myself to Mm -hmm. like go train every day. And at the time, you know, 10 years ago, a couple, nine years ago, there just wasn't the choice that there is now. Mm -hmm. Right. It was really just the big brands out there. There weren't these like hundreds of beautiful, like, smaller brands that you could choose from. And it was in that moment where I was like, Oh, is there a white space here in this market that, you know, none of the big brands were really speaking to me.
3: Mm-hmm. They were
1: very functional, but I didn't find them very stylish or I didn't really connect with who their core audience was. It wasn't me. Yeah through my own personal like journey of of shopping for all this stuff and kind of exploring what was out in the market, I realized that there was a white space in this market for something that was more fashion forward, more kind of wear all day, active wear. And that's how the idea for Alala started. And it was so interesting, because I always people say this, you know, there's luck, right? Yeah, in, in starting your companies, there definitely was for me, when we launched Alala, That was the same time that like athleisure became a word that we even used. It wasn't a word before. Yeah, that was the same time every, yeah, everybody started like talking about it as a lifestyle and as this new category. So we run a great business, but we also were super lucky in the beginning Mm -hmm. to pick a category that really had some upward momentum.
2: Yeah. I mean, you guys started right at the perfect time. You hit it when it was right about to get hot. (laughs) Yeah. You come from a family of entrepreneurs and you work for a very big entrepreneur and all those things. But when you had the concept of, okay, I want to start this brand, like what did it actually take from like that idea and needing new workout clothes, to like actually getting it off the ground and creating it.
1: One of the big things that I did at the beginning was recognize what I could do and what I could not do. Smart. I'm not a designer. I don't know, you know, the ins and outs of product design, apparel design. And so one of the first things I did is really to find somebody who could work with me on that part of the business. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up working with a girl on like a freelance basis. We created the first Alala line together. I don't know how much longer would have taken me if I had to try and figure it out by myself. Yeah. But I think it's really important to realize where your strengths and weaknesses are. And I don't think sometimes it's a good use of your time to try and figure everything out yourself
2: mm-hmm. which a lot of entrepreneurs when they're starting out they're like okay I'm gonna do everything want to be I want to be in control of everything it's my brand it's my thing but it's that's very smart of you to do that from the beginning and just recognize like what you're good at what you excel at so you can outsource from there but a lot of you that's hard for people I know it's hard for me like for example, this has nothing to do with business, but planning a wedding. I'm like, no, I have to do everything because I'm the only one that knows how to do it. And you just burn out really fast. But yes, I love that you had that wherewithal from the beginning. It's just really smart. Um, And the other thing I really liked about you is that you leaned into mentorship a lot, like from working with Chris Birch and working with all these insane brands and all these people that you you just knew from the beginning that you wanted mentorship. That's something I think that we are losing a lot nowadays. People don't really like mentor people I don't feel like that isn't as common so would you recommend that for younger entrepreneurs or people who are wanting to start like should they look into mentorship how to go about that what worked for you what didn't work for you and as far as that goes
1: so I think for me I did have a loose network of people that I knew from working with Chris. Mm -hmm. But what I did very consciously is, you know, I think we recognize everybody's super busy. Nobody really has, you know, a lot of time for mentorship or, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of helping other people out. It's just a reality of what, you know, life is. I always tried to ask them really specific questions Mm -hmm. that they could answer for me when I was looking for a freight forwarder. Like I didn't know anything about how to ship goods from China to the U S and I just started asking people like, Hey, like, do you know somebody who can talk to me about freight forwarding? Mm -hmm. Do you know somebody who can talk to me about, you know, uh, factory negotiations? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think being specific with my requests led me to the right people and they were happy to give me a 10 minute, you know, overview of what all that meant
2: yeah, that's um, hard.
1: versus sometimes I get, you know, inbound requests or DMS and things like that from people who want to talk to me, but it's very general, right? Hey, can I pick your brain? Mm-hmm. Can I take you to a coffee? I think when you're so general, it's a little bit scary because you don't I, I personally don't know how much time you're going to take off my day. I don't know what you're going to ask me. Yeah. And I think it's a lot easier if you're very specific with your asks um, and also come prepared right to ask more questions it's not like you're just expecting this person to give you all the answers
2: yeah I think that's interesting for people where they like they just want help or they want they see how it worked for you how you did it they just want to follow every step that you did but I think that's a really smart way to go about it like hey this, I just need how to get from this point to this point. Can you just give me a quick 10 minute? And it's true. People are busy. There's a lot going on. And when you're running a company like you are, I'm sure that's difficult to like, give your time to everyone. Plus, it's your energy as well. Like if you're having to like sit down and tell everyone every single detail at all times, that's a lot. So I think that's super smart. Yeah,
1: Exactly. And I feel like if you're the one asking for help or asking for mentorship, It shows you've taken a little bit of time to do your own research, Mm -hmm. you know, um, think about the problem before you ask for help. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, that's a sign of somebody who, you know, has put the effort in before I have to put my effort in to help you, Mm -hmm. which I think
2: is important. I agree. I know you started working on the company while you're working for Chris Birch, which... It's interesting, I'm sure, to balance those two. And I know a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs, maybe they're working a corporate job right now or they wanna do something else, but they're not ready to make the jump to starting their company. Maybe they have to raise enough money or get into a place where they feel comfortable to take that leap. What would you recommend to someone maybe in that situation? Was it interesting for you to balance that with working for Chris? Like, did you have to keep it under wraps that you were starting this whole other company or anything like that that you managed during that time?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people underestimate the amount of capital and time and energy it takes to start a company. Uh So in my opinion, if you have a corporate job where you can still be making your income, and working on your idea on the side, that is more ideal than, you know, kind of jump, like leaving everything behind and jumping in straight away. For myself, a lot of the first year of like, between me coming up with the idea and me actually quitting my job. Mm -hmm. um, I spent a year with Chris, kind of, you know, in between that time, and it was like, doing research, making sure there was really a true business opportunity there, Mm -hmm. you know, researching things at night and on the weekends, like looking for what the name of the company would be like looking at trademarks, looking at URLs, things that didn't require a ton of time, but were very important to like kind of start building the foundation of the company. Mm -hmm. It gave me a safety net, right to know that I, I had this job while I was exploring this idea for a lot of people, that might make more sense than like really jumping in head first.
2: Absolutely. When was the point where you're like, okay, I'm ready? Or were you ever ready? Once you finally made that jump? <laughs>
1: <laughs> when I was ready to hire that person, the freelancer that I told you about uh-huh. to design the collection, I just felt like it was time to like really dive fully into it. Again, it took like 10 months 12 months for me to even get to that point where I felt ready. And I was actually very nervous to tell Chris, who has been such a great friend and boss to me, Mm -hmm. he actually took it like amazingly well, and was so happy for me 10 years later, even now we're still great friends. And he gives me still great advice. And so Um, I was very, very lucky to have some of that support, like
2: right from the beginning. too. I love that. That's kind of rare.
1: It is rare. And I think, you know, like my parents are both entrepreneurs as well. So I also had family support, which, you know, not everybody gets. And I think, I'm so grateful that I've had that experience Mm -hmm. where I've had supportive people in my corner. I think you have to find your little crew of cheerleaders for yourself when you start your business. If it's not your family, maybe it's some of your friends because it is tough, Yeah, you know? It is tough and there are moments where you're going to want to give up and sometimes leaning on those people in those moments is the only thing that keeps you going.
2: I love that. When you started, once you were into running Alala and getting things going upon all the research that you did and all the prep that you did? Was there anything like, oh, (laughs) shit, I had no idea that this was going to happen? Or like, I Ah. wish I knew this, anything like that?
1: Everything. (laughs) I mean, everything. Still today, you know, there are things I'm like, oh, I wish I knew that. Or, oh, I did that wrong. Uh And I think you just have to constantly be a student. I think that's something that, you know, I spend a lot of time with very successful people, you know, and and people who have done really great things in their lives. And I feel like such a common theme for that is that they're always curious. Mm. They're never the smartest person in the room. They'll always admit when they don't know something or, you know, they want to learn more about something. And I think if you go into this thinking like, I'm the smartest, I'm the best, I know everything, like you're going to get taken down so quickly (laughs) by the reality of running a business because there's just so many parts to it. Yeah thank God for Google. Like Honestly, (laughs) we got our first order from Bloomingdale's in our first year. And they were the first retailer that needed us to have those barcode Mm -hmm. tickets on your garments. And I was like, how do I get a barcode? Where do I get this from?
2: Obviously you can't ask Bloomingdale's because you don't want to look like you know what you're doing.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I was like, Oh, I was like, I never even thought about it. Like, Where do people get these barcodes from? And it was just like, You have to just, you know, be persistent, I think, Mm -hmm. and try and find the answers. But every day, every day, there are things that you're going to be like, oh, I didn't know I had to think about that or, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's
2: exciting and fun, too. (laughs) it's
1: definitely exciting and fun
2: (laughs) with running the company and like trying to be successful i I read something that you said that originally you ran it by your mood relying on how well the company was doing which i think a lot of entrepreneurs start out or most people are like that they're like okay well i'll feel happy when i reach this goal or i'll feel good when i reach this number how did you shift that for yourself
1: it's still shifting to be honest (laughs) i still fall back into that a lot of times yeah What I was very fortunate to have was a coach that really helped me work on why those things were so important, right? Why does making, you know, X dollars today in my Shopify store make me feel more worthy than the day that I made half of that? Mm. It's not about the money, right? It's not about any of that. I think it's all tied into kind of how you see yourself. Okay. And so a lot of the work that I've done is to honestly remove myself from my business, right? My business value is not my value. Mm-hmm. And again, it is a constant thing. I haven't mastered it at all. Um, I still have days where I get really depressed if we don't you know, get X number of sales, but it's gotten a lot better. That's and good. I think it's just working on yourself. It's, it's knowing that you have worth and importance and you matter outside of what
2: your business is generating. That is very helpful, <laughs> but it's, it's <laughs> difficult to be like, it is your baby. It was your idea. It was, you put all this into it to separate yourself. Like, no, my value doesn't equal how well the business is doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is helpful. It's very difficult. Yeah. You know, I think we all measure our worth a lot with our accomplishments, with our, whatever we have, the stuff that we have.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Um, it's a little scary, I think, to take all that away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And just, you know, look at yourself as a person. But I think it is something that's really important, especially if you're thinking about starting your own business, or you know, like you like starting your own podcast, like, We compare. There's so much. It's so easy to compare, right? You can see how many downloads that person has or that person has. And I can read articles about how successful this company is or that company Mm -hmm. is. It's really, really challenging to not let that affect you. Totally. It comes down to, again, how you kind of look at yourself and what you value in yourself Mm -hmm. helps me through Mm -hmm. that comparison
2: fatigue that's beautiful. And plus, you do that for a team of all women. How does that translate into leading them and creating that kind of environment in your company? Like, Is there a conscious way that you go about doing that? Or how do you create that environment within Alala?
1: I treat everybody very like collaboratively. Mm-hmm. I think we have a very collaborative team. And I've come to a place as a leader where I'm okay sharing both good and bad with them, right? Mm-hmm. We know what our goals are for this year. We know when we're falling behind on those goals. Mm -hmm. We know when we're ahead of our goals. So it's not something I try and shelter them from, the reality of the business situation. Like we know, you know, people are talking about a recession right now, Mm -hmm. all this stuff, like things are going to be tough. Um, Those are conversations that we have as a team that I think are important for everybody from our most junior person to our most senior person understands. Mm -hmm. But I do think that we have to always be looking forward. Like I'm not somebody who likes to harp on the blame, right? Everybody makes mistakes. I make mistakes. Somebody might make a mistake in in an email or or something that they're doing or you know, do something the way I wouldn't do it. Uh But I think it's so important to kind of one, let them make mistakes and two, not harp on it. You know, and not be like, oh, I told you not to do that. Or like, you know, why did you do that? And Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to keep moving forward and treat them as full grown adults, which they are. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I think for me, like, it's more of highlighting it say, hey, I noticed, you know, there was a spelling mistake in that email that we sent out yesterday. Like, please make sure you double check everything. Don't let it happen again. Mm -hmm. Leave it and, and, you know, don't harp on it anymore. And I think that's a way that helps empower the team. Mm -hmm. Some feel like they're really independent in their work, which I prefer versus being like a micromanager. You
2: sound like a good boss.
1: (laughs) You know, one thing I'm really proud of is that a lot of my team has stayed with me for the last six, seven, eight years. That's impressive. (laughs) Honestly, I'm so grateful for the girls. They believe in the vision. You know, sometimes like there's so much belief in that vision, like even when I don't particularly feel great at that moment. Mm -hmm. They have so much belief and drive into making this company
2: successful. It's it's been really great. That's awesome. Especially with people like quiet quitting these days and just up and leaving. That's amazing to hear. Yeah. Running a fitness company. I'm sure when you started, maybe there was a white space, but now fitness and Fashion has become this whole big entity. Is that ever overwhelming to you? And then how do you keep innovating with like the change of how the industry goes, but also like staying true to Lala and the original vision and the brand? Any advice there?
1: I mean, it's incredibly overwhelming, yeah. right? You can get activewear options anywhere from $10 all the way up to three, $400 for pair of leggings. Mm-hmm. So we really have seen the industry grow so much and so many new players come into the market. But I try not to look at anything like competition versus I like to look them look at them more as opportunities, right? And like it's an opportunity for us to focus on our customer, listen to our customer, really be in tune with what she wants. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important thing to lead us to even more success, mm. right? I think sometimes, especially when there's so many other competitors in the market, it's so easy to be like, oh, they're doing that, like, let's do that, or they're doing that, let's do that. And you get so, you know, caught up with that shiny object that you forget to focus. No, I always tell my team this, and I know it to be true. Your customer is your focus. I think if we stay true to what our customer wants, we listen to what she's saying to us, Mm -hmm. we give her more of what she likes and what she needs for her lifestyle. That's our path to success. We are actually doing a rebrand. Are you? That yeah, a brand refresh that comes out in a couple weeks. That's exciting. It is a manifestation of everything that I just said. It is a manifestation of, you know, everything we've learned about our customer over the last eight years. Mm-hmm. It's tightening in on all the things she loves about Alala and giving her more of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm really excited about that. And I think it'll help us set ourselves even Further apart from a lot of the competition. That's
2: exciting. I can't wait to see.
1: We've been working on it for almost a year at this
2: point. Oh my God. Yeah, everything takes so much time. time. That's crazy that that's happening in two weeks as the company continues to grow. Like, what is the goal ultimately for Alala?
1: I think for us, you know, there is a mission behind the brand. Mm -hmm. As much as we want to grow and sell more product and reach more customers. We also want to grow our message and our brand, which is that brands can be good entities. I feel like we're so jaded by corporations just being like these evil, evil, evil things. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a mission to talk about diversity and inclusivity. We, you know, we want to be size inclusive and be inclusive in a lot of different ways Mm -hmm. and then advance those conversations within the community, right? I think, especially in wellness, Mm. so many brands and so many faces in wellness are very homogenized, right? When you think wellness, I think you think of like a Gwyneth Paltrow or somebody like that. But there's me, there's you, Mm -hmm. there's so many, you know, women who are so interested in this area. And I don't think we see them enough Mm -hmm. still. Yeah. Um, And so for me as a minority, as a female, you know, I want to show more of that. And I want to be a brand that can make great product, but also do great work. in in the world and in our industry.
2: I love that you your brand even thinks about those things, because a lot of times it feels like brands are just about making money and like going with the trend that people are doing or saying to look like they're doing the right thing or brand or market for the fact that they're doing the right thing when they're actually just trying to get marketing and get money from you. So I love that there is still brands out there that have that thought process still and are still that still matters to them. I think that's really beautiful. I
1: think we try and do everything with integrity. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to be ashamed of the decisions I made today just to make a quick buck. Yeah. Like five years from now. And a lot of the athleisure companies out there, you know, the big ones are run by men, Mm -hmm. which is fine and great. But I do think there is a very important kind of female eye, especially when you're making women's apparel, making fitness and and wellness apparel. Like, I think it is a different kind of take Mm -hmm. on, you know, the athleisure space when you come at it from, from a woman's point of view, we are women designing for women, making products for women. So we think about all the things that, you know, you and I have sensitivities about mm-hmm. or maybe we're not so comfortable showing parts of our bodies and so we really take all that into consideration when we design mm-hmm.
2: you know hopefully it shows in the products i think it does and it's huge especially for like a workout space too because i I teach fitness as well and it makes a difference how you feel in your outfit even with you buying clothes for when you wanted to run a triathlon like th- that's a thing like how you put your clothes on what you feel and you're looking in the mirror in a class or whatever you're doing it makes a huge difference so yes thank you for doing that yeah. Um, I one thing also that I like about Lala is that you're very conscious of who your customer is. And that seems like something that really helps you to drive like what you're putting out with this new rebrand. Is there any other things that you think that you Lala does that really helps you as a business? I mean, you've been around now for like nine, nine years. So Mm -hmm. what do you owe that success to any advice for someone who's like wanting to innovate, wanting to grow, wanting to have success in a business similar to yours?
1: For me, like we've made so many mistakes over the years. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to put that out there because, (laughs) you know, I think a lot of time people think it's just like, oh, so easy. Like every year you just double your business. Mm -hmm. Like that's just the natural way things go. And it's not that gets spread out a lot. Mm -hmm um, that it's easy to grow your business and it's not. So we've made a lot of mistakes. We still continue to make mistakes, um, in the business. And so I think for me, it all comes back to the customer. Mm -hmm. Like, what are they responding to? What are they saying? What do they love? What do they hate? You know? And, and I think one thing that we really want to focus on moving forward is, building more a sense of community with our customers and with our social media followers and all of that. And I think that's really, really, really important for anybody who wants to start a brand now in 2023 and beyond, Mm -hmm. because, you know, all forms of marketing are getting really expensive. And you're fighting so many brands for share of mind, right? share of brain space in your customer's mind. I think having that element of community, having that element of connection is really important. And I think that makes people want to connect more with you want to understand more about, you know, where you're coming from, what your brand stands for. And that's really, really crucial these days. Mm -hmm. You can buy a pair of black leggings anywhere. Why would you buy ours? Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's some difference in fabric and fits, but at the end of the day, I think, brand and community and, and wanting to support this brand plays a role in that.
2: Yeah, that's huge. My um, sister-in-law just started a brand as well. It's more of like a e-commerce brand online, but um, she she's big on like from the start, knowing who her customer is, going back to that. And I think she's doing it right. And it sounds like that's a great path to be successful. It's like it does come back to the customer. It comes back to that connection. It's beautiful. As you go into these bigger spaces, as you're growing the brand, Is there ever a point of like imposter syndrome or like not feeling like you belong in a space and like how to stand your ground? Anything in that regard as I mean, you guys have been around for nine years now. So maybe not anymore, but like originally or when you first started,
1: when we first started was definitely a lot stronger. My imposter syndrome back then, Mm -hmm. right? I'm a first time entrepreneur, like, half the time, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. When I started it, that was the time of these big venture backed brands, like coming into the limelight, right, Glossier and Outdoor Voices and Warby Parker, and especially for the female founders, I really felt like I didn't look like those girls. You know what I mean? I didn't fit like the typical like prototype of what that female founder that they were like talking about in Entrepreneur Magazine looked like. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like that honestly, like held me back a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, in wanting to be the face of my brand wanting to you know really like put myself out there yeah. and I regret that mm. honestly and especially with having a fitness apparel brand like I'm not a size two like I don't have a six-pack like I just look like a regular girl
2: who does triathlons you know I mean? though so let's not forget about that.
1: I know <laughs> but you know yeah. like all of us have body image issues and when I was about to go host an event for, you know, a fitness class event for a Alala yeah. or something like that, I would always get so nervous because I'd be like, oh, what are people going to like think about me? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't look like a fitness instructor. I don't look like, you know, I'm like super toned, super ripped or whatever. And I used to let that hold me back mm-hmm. a lot. It's taken a long time for me to actually like be comfortable putting myself a little bit more out there and talking about this stuff because it is so vulnerable, I feel like, and so sensitive to feel like, you know, I don't look like who I think I should look like. But it's been a great learning lesson just for me in general, to accept that and to celebrate that I'm different, Mm -hmm. and that I am unique in my own way. So yeah, it's, it's definitely taken a while, though.
2: I love that you're embracing that. But yeah, I think a it's crazy how many people do go through that like imposter syndrome or like not feeling good enough, especially around that world. I remember too, like I would teach fitness events as well. And there's always like the body that's better than yours. There's always like someone that you can compare yourself to. So you just like, mm-hmm. you go up there and if you're in your head like that, it's really hard to like be your best self, like put yourself out there to like own what you got. But I like that you're now shifting out of that. It's tough, especially in a space like the fitness industry. Like there's so many like huge names and like People that you could compare yourself to. But I love seeing people like you and people that look similar to me and people like that out there and continuing to like push past those things. So that's very inspiring.
1: You know, like when I was younger, I don't know about you, but like I didn't have a lot of role models or people to look up to who looked like me, Mm -hmm. you know, and was doing something that I was interested in doing. And so the more I meet those people, the more I meet like other, you know, Asian American founders, Asian American female founders, like it's so nice. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it feels good to, to see that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And to just know that, you know, we're kind of all supporting each
2: other and kind of lifting each other up. Yeah, I love that so much. Yeah, when I saw that you were the face of the brand, I didn't know, like the backstory. And I was like, Oh, my God, yeah, I would love to interview. And I like connected you with you already, because I knew you had we had a similar background with that. So I love it. Um, For someone who's like not shopped Lala or wants to look more into what you guys have to offer. Like, where should they start? Should they start with the leggings, the bras? Like, what would you say like your hero products are?
1: Yeah, so I would say three things. Mm -hmm. If you're like a medium, low impact girl, I would say to start with our Bar Seamless collection. They are these beautiful um, pieces that are very price sharp and come in a lot of different colors. We make them in Peru on these like seamless machines. So they're very like kind of eco-friendly as well. But I would start there. Our bar seamless shorts are a big favorite. Um, mm-hmm. I have like big thighs and I don't like wearing like bike shorts. But our bike shorts are super comfortable. They don't like pinch you, you know, mm. and make you look all lumpy and stuff. So I would start there. We have a great like tennis collection. So oh. spring's coming. If you want I to love tennis course, fashion. <laughs> pick up your, your racket. Um, come check out our tennis pieces. They're really, really great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we also do a lot of lifestyle pieces. So things that you can, you know, honestly just wear with your jeans or wear out to dinner. Um, And we have a lot of very beautiful washable cashmere pieces Mm -hmm. that are like thin and really just very luxurious feeling for not a lot of money. Um, So I would check those out too.
2: I love your outerwear, too. All of the jackets I was looking at before this. was like, Oh, you. that puffer is so cute. I know, cute. the puffer is cute. <laughs> your uh customers like that New York downtown woman, or at least it started off like that. And I feel like looking at the site, I gathered that immediately. It was like very like Soho, like cool, like running to the gym, but then going to grab a coffee and then run errands. It's like such a cute style. I love it. So I don't know if that's Me shifting too. next in the two weeks, but I definitely gathered that. No,
1: it's not really shifting. It's kind of just like even concentrating it more mm. that way. You know what I mean? And yeah, she definitely is like that sophisticated girl who has her really clear sense of style. She puts her outfits together the way she wants to. And, you know, I think the beauty of the Alala pieces is that they a lot of them can work into whatever you have in your wardrobe already. So mm-hmm. they're super versatile.
2: I'm gonna go back and shop. <laughs> <laughs> but I also know that you work with um, a nonprofit and you help lead women and other people. What is something that you would tell a younger entrepreneur, someone who's like, has an idea wanting to start, like how do you mentor them? And like, what would you say to someone like that?
1: You touched on it, that I would research your idea Mm -hmm. pretty carefully before you start. I think there's such an allure of like, being an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But like, not every idea you have is a great idea. And so I would do the research to make sure You know, there is actually a market for you. There is a market Mm -hmm. for this product or service that you want to provide. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that makes things a lot easier if you're nobody wants to buy a typewriter. Like, so please don't start a typewriter company, you know? (laughs) Um, So I would say do your research because I feel like a lot of people just jump in and they wonder why it doesn't work after you spent all this time, you know, working on it. Um, But at the same time, I would say that I would not take advice from people who have not done what you are trying to do.
3: Hmm. And that's
1: Mm -hmm. a mistake that, you know, I've made on my side and in my journey as well. A lot of people are going to give you their opinions, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to say, Oh, I don't like that. Or are you sure that's a good idea? Or like, you know, oh, maybe you should do it this way or that way. And I would say not to listen to a lot of those voices. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I would say only listen to the people who have done what you are trying to accomplish. Those are the people who I think will give you the best advice. Um, you know, in your entrepreneur journey. So, yeah.
2: Very good advice. Yeah, that's very smart. And It's very sound, like cut and clear. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Or else you just get so lost. Like, yeah. There's just too much noise.
2: A lot of people just want to hear themselves talk. So if they hear that you have an idea, they like just want to like talk about it and feel like they helped. <laughs> but then it's not helpful when it's they haven't even been in the space. So being very clear on who you ask the questions to And what advice you take, what advice you leave. That's very smart. Last question I have for you is like, what do you want Alala to be known for, remembered by as you guys grow or even right now for someone shopping Alala? Like, what do you want the brand to be known for, remembered by?
1: I want us to be remembered as a brand that gave more than we took almost, that we were bigger than just a piece of clothing that you put on your body. Hope that, you know, everybody who shops Alala has an experience that makes them feel a little bit better about themselves, made Mm -hmm. their day better, you know, made them extra happy because they had a really cool, beautiful outfit on that was made, you know, ethically and intentionally. And, you know, that will last you a long time. We really try and strive to be here for a long time and to be doing good the entire time we exist. Um, And I think there is such a responsibility for myself and for my team to, again, do things very ethically and intentionally and not be ashamed of the decisions that we're making now, you know, in five, 10 years when we look back at it. That's what I like.
2: I love that. That's a beautiful goal to have. I'm sure you've already are doing that or will continue to do that. And everyone should check out their clothes because... They're amazing. Thank you so much for this conversation, yeah. for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, where can a, everyone? We
1: um, a discount code. We
2: do. We have a discount code. Um, share 20 for 20% off to shop. So you guys go get a piece, try out the bar collection. Um, and then where can everyone find you, follow you, all of that good stuff?
1: So for the brand, we are Alala on Instagram. And our website is alalastyle.com. And personally for me, I'm on Instagram and TikTok at X. Lee. So follow me there. If you have any questions, you can DM me. I'm happy to answer
2: specific questions.
1: (laughs) Specific questions. Yes.
2: I love it. Um, (laughs) Thank you, Denise. This was beautiful. It was great to talk to you. Have a great day.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me on.
2: That is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, follow, subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And in the spirit of sharing, be sure to share the podcast with a friend or give us some love on social media and tag us at something to share podcast on Instagram. See you next Wednesday.